But so those are a few things you want to talk about today. Um, like I said, there's like there's no limit as to what I do on this podcast, so you can go be as descriptive you need to, um, and basically just spit whatever's on your mind. Uh, one of the, some of the, a few of the things you wanted to talk about were human nature, addiction, and recovery. So my well, my question was was um, uh, how does human nature, addiction, and recovery? Why is it so relevant to you? Oh, yeah, why is it so relevant to you? Well, um, a little bit of background on me. I was an addict for many, many years. And um, I am recovered now. I say recovered because I don't refer to myself as an addict anymore. Um, even though relapse is possible for anybody, um, I don't like to define myself and as an addiction counselor I encourage my clients not to define themselves by their past and their mistakes that they've made yeah anybody should do that right yeah well I mean ask somebody well yeah absolutely three, three good things about themselves and they'll struggle to do it but ask them to say three bad things about themselves they'll blip it right off the bat one great thing I don't know I don't know who said or some where it came from but it was you could be having a great day uh, you could be having a great day, but someone may make one tiny negative comment about you, and it'd be the one thing that sticks in your mind for the rest of the day. Right. Kind of, right. kind of, kind of like that. So I know what you mean. I mean, we a lot of people are influenced by what people say about them, but even more important is what you say about yourself. And if you define yourself as an addict, I know when you go to self-help groups like AA and NA, they, they have a saying, once an addict, always an addict. And in a sense, that's true because once you become addicted to drugs, changes take place in the brain that it could be years later, if you start using those drugs again, you're going to be hopelessly addicted again. That's what they're referring to. But it doesn't mean you have to live that way mm-hmm. nor define yourself as one. What, what is NA? I, I know AA. Oh, is uh, Narcotics Anonymous, oh. um, Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> I, you know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like hearing that, you know, but it's, it's, it is true. You know, once you've been addicted to something, you start, you could be years later, you start using that substance again, you're going to be dependent on that substance again just because your brain chemistry. But that doesn't mean you have to live that way. And it certainly doesn't mean you have to define yourself that way. Right. So, so how did you end up becoming an uh, uh, drug? What was the thing you said? <laughs> a drug and alcohol counselor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I didn't like ever have the illusion that I was going to run out and save the world. But I realized I had a lot of experience on the subject, being an addict myself, and I like to, I learn how to overcome that and uh, unlock my potential. Um, the saddest thing about addiction is it hurts families. People do die and stuff like that. But another thing people overlook is that it robs people of their potential. I hear people. I never, I never thought of it like that way. Well, you laugh. Go and I'll go ahead. Uh huh. 
Yeah. I hear people in my practice telling me all the time that, that, uh, um, oh yeah, I'm a functional addict or a functional alcoholic. And I'm saying, okay, well, you survived in spite of yourself. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, how much more can you do if you didn't have that monkey on your back? What do you mean? How much more could you do? How much more could you achieve? You know? Oh, I see. When you define yourself as an addict and stuff like that, you're limiting your potential. You know, I learned the secret of unlocking my potential. And I want to share that with other people to help them overcome what they're going through. And hopefully you know, have better quality of life. Um, I don't really measure success and recovery by years sober or years without using a drug, which is certainly part of it. But the way I measure success and recovery is quality of life. How are you living? Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No, that's, that's brilliant. Cause, uh, most people that I hear, you know, I hear all the time, pretty sure you do. Like I've been out for many days, years months sober but it's something dumb but like you would think about your quality of life but yeah no it didn't even come to my mind for some reason yeah in addiction we set up these comfort zones we use this drug to numb us or alcohol to numb us but addiction is not limited to drugs and alcohol oh yeah absolutely you know yeah um, video games yeah it could be endlessly checking your cell phone yep yeah i know um we we as humans bond to something you know but like um i there's a lot of people that we call alcoholics addicts and para alcoholics and para addicts para alcoholism is like never taking a drink mm-hmm. in your life but still having the same behaviors and you learn that through your life experience. What do you mean having the same behavior? Explain what you mean, because I think I get it, but I want to be sure. Codependency, depending Uh, on other people's needs, caretaking behaviors, um, um, obsessive behaviors, you know. I see see what you mean. Some people call that, like, addictive personalities without even taking a drug. You know, they're, they're behaving like an addict without even taking that drug. It's funny, a, lot, a bunch of the things, I'm connecting a bunch of things in my head, like, that I've heard from the past, like, regarding, addic- like, so-called addictive personalities. Um, I know, I, I know what you mean. Right. So, um, right. So, one of the things we want to talk about was uh, a social disconnection. What do you mean by that? Right. Um... Okay, first off, um, let's talk a little bit about human nature. All right, yeah. Human beings are social creatures. Doesn't matter how tough you think you are, how many tattoos you got, (laughs) how many people you kill with one bullet, all human beings have the need to bond to other people. Yeah, that's primal too, right? It goes back yeah to our ancestors basically absolutely absolutely and it's like human it human nature is like if you don't have if you're not in a healthy environment you're not able to bond to healthy things you will bond to something right it's yeah right unhealthy things it could be a drug 
It could be a behavior. It could be pornography. Yeah, it could be yeah. sex. Could be gambling. Could right. be could be some compulsive behavior. Anything that that becomes obsessive or interrupts your life. Mm-hmm. Human beings will bond to something, and it's our human nature to bond to other people. When we create healthy bonds, we're healthy people, and we don't need outside substances to make us feel better. Right. I mean, I imagine in the world that we live in right now, it's like, especially right now with, uh, well, I just say COVID, like, um, <laughs> yeah, like I can imagine how disconnected from everybody we are. I mean, it's like we're literally, we've been literally, being, we're literally being conditioned to be disconnected from people, right? Right now. Well, that COVID was that that was just like the the stroke that killed it all off, you know. Um, We've been disconnecting little by little for a long time. Yeah, yeah. For example, since the 1950s, the number of steady friend or close friends that a person has has been steadily declining. It used to be five. Now it's about two, one or two. Makes sense. Right? Uh-huh. In the world, a yeah. lot of people don't even know the name of their next door neighbors. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, they just moved in, so. Well, I was talking to him the other day, actually, yeah. last week, but still, even then, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, I, I, when I grew up in the 70s, we knew everybody on the street. We knew too much about each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it smells that there was a much more of a sense of community. Even when I was a kid, even when I was a kid, when I was there, like, right. late 90s, early 2000s, right. there was still that, like, I, I know what you mean. Like, I could still name uh, our neighbors. Like, yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Right. Now, it's, I don't know. I just, like, we took, like, a leap. I don't know. Not before, but backwards when it comes to being connected with each other. Right. Or just people in general. Yeah. <laughs> and in other ways, too, these things here, our electronics yeah. and stuff like that, they're supposed to connect us. They're actually distancing us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You it, ever get a text from somebody from a different room in your own house? Yeah, you know, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, to, to even to get people to respond yes or no to a simple question is almost impossible. Yeah. I, the person who invented the telephone would probably look at humanity now. I'd probably just be like... I didn't like, intend this. Yeah, yeah, like whatsoever. <laughs> because, you know, when he... he, when he what was his name? Oh, Bell? Last name Bell? Yeah, I can't, yeah. Alexander Graham Bell. Okay, it was him. Yeah, yeah. So I always think yeah. back to that, like, uh, he he invented this great thing, and then you look at us now, we can't even respond a simple word back to one another um, through email, text, even right. phone. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I, 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 right. I and it, it's, but human beings need that face-to-face conversation. Yeah. I remember during COVID, when I would uh, do a one-on-one interview with the client before covid you know you have that facial contact you you see that face-to-face contact we rely on nonverbal communication like body language facial expressions and it's easy to keep a conversation going during covid we did them over the telephone and i found it really hard to conduct an interview past five minutes you know, I, yeah, I can only imagine, um, yeah, especially we, for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you send a text, you know, we got all these acronyms, laugh out loud, LMAF or whatever those are. Like that. That's Orwellian. <laughs> yeah. You know, funny thing, I was thinking about that yesterday, actually, about like how 
people I don't want I don't know if I want to say people are getting dumber, but it's like words have been shortened. Like people don't really spell out the. I mean, your typical texture, how they want to even, uh, some people want to spell W H A T. They'll spell W O T or W A T. Right. Just an example. Yeah, all the acronyms and I'm just. Right. It's gotten worse. Like most definitely, like it's it's a trendy thing to not say or spell out your words. <laughs> our our, ten, our technology is a great thing to connect yourself with people at great distances away, like Skype and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, there's a flip side to it, too. We're very disconnected, and we depend too much on it. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but, like, if I, I, left, I left the house going to work one day and realized I left my cell phone at home and turned around to go back to get it because I can't get through my day without it at my job. Yeah, well, you, so we do stay connected in a way, but as human beings, emotionally, we need that face-to-face contact. It's yeah. our human nature. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, um, that's also why the telephone was made, so that we could be connected for situations like that. Right. But not for the things that it's being used, or at least, uh, I don't want to say put upon us. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, our phones most definitely play a role i mean but there's so many other things that play a role into us being disconnected with one another oh yeah uh, other than just our phones it's 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 crazy crazy time to live in i can only imagine what the future is going to be like yeah <laughs> that's a thought um we live like robots we need to live the way we're intended to live you know and have that face-to-face connection with uh, create healthy bonds face-to-face bonds with with people around us see um other ways we disconnected is like since the over the past few decades the amount of floor space in people's houses has steadily increased Uh uh-huh and Uh the backyard space has gotten smaller yeah i don't get why people want to buy those houses to be honest with you these houses like one time i went to a party i don't know how many years ago but they're having a party, and, like, the people next door could see everybody, you know, doing everything. I was like, this is right. really awkward, you know? Right. It, it's just out of school. You know, the bigger the house, the more yeah, it, you're doing, you it's, know? It's, it's, I like our, our crowded little house that we have. It's a decent, <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's an all right house. I, yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoy our happy mess that we have, you know? Yeah, no, it's a lot better than... Ha- I don't know. People want these tiny, I mean, these big houses with, like, no, like, front or side or backyard. To me, it's just going backwards. Like, I, I don't, because people want them. Yeah. And they're willing to pay a retarded, retarded price to buy them, too. And it's just like, uh, right. I don't know. But I guess either a person is desperate to buy a house or it just goes to show well, something about. It's the American dream. It's the American own house dream. Or, but, like, we're getting more and more Americans, so they're shoving all these houses close together. But even yeah. even then, though, it's it's there's we've been become disconnected as society. When we become disconnected as human beings from healthy things around us, healthy people, healthy activity, we will bond to something. It's human nature, right? So um, a lot of people bond to to. Uh, Drugs, alcohol, a lot of people bond to other unhealthy things, you know. Um, I guess when, to compare the two, I think it would be a little bit healthier to go out and binge 
binge drink some Budweiser as to sit home and binge drink binge uh watch netflix yeah <laughs> because of the disconnection yeah absolutely but yeah you're right that's a very good point <laughs> but but that being said though binge drinking is not not healthy anyways yeah absolutely so so when it comes to addiction um uh there's classic theories to um or disease or models for addiction. There's um there's the traditional the traditional uh um theory that it's a choice. That right. you choose to use that drug, that alcohol, you can choose not to do it too. Okay? Right. And a good example of that, I mean, when I was in school, they taught us all the theories and you know Nowadays, we're so polarized. One has to be right. This one's wrong. This one's wrong. This 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 one's right. But in in my practice, I've seen evidence of all of them. Why right. can't it be all of them? Why can't it be a choice that leads to a disease? Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's kind of just like every, kind of just like everything. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. When it comes to recovery, the choice, good best argument for for the. The choice theory is like, say an alcoholic walks in the room and I could see he's sweaty and shaky and he's in bad need of a drink. And I say, here, bud, let me pour you, let me pour you three fingers of this Jack Daniels here, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's free of charge. So he comes over and he goes to grab and I go, oh, but wait a minute. If you take that drink, I'm going to stab you in the neck with this pen. The guy thinks twice about it Mm -hmm. and makes a choice not to drink and walks out of the room, right? Right. He made a choice not to drink. Right. With the proper amount of, of, uh, uh, what's that word? I, I, I don't know word for that, but I, I know it's motivation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Know? Um, and that's a good argument, right? Yeah. With, you know, if you face prison time or something like that, you, you know, that might deter you from doing a drug. Right. But, the thing is, it's wrong. The guy didn't make a choice not to take the drink. The guy made a choice not to get stabbed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. He, and he probably left the room and went someplace else and found his. Right. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's where that one goes wrong. Okay. Um. But the the disease model of addiction is if you do a certain addictive substance like heroin. Um meth, alcohol, enough times you become addicted to that substance. Mm-hmm. You know, some drugs are physically addictive, like opiates. We're seeing the worst opiate epidemic. Oh, this is the worst epidemic that's faced us. Is this still worse going? than crack? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. it's been going for like last ten week, years. Now. Last week was the first week mm-hmm. of twenty twenty two that I didn't hear of somebody personally dying of a fentanyl overdose. Wow, interesting. So but how, this week, I heard it too. <laughs> so just this it, year alone, what, what is it? Twenty twenty two, March twenty twenty. How many yeah. have you heard of? Like, is it more than off of two hands? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, hmm. at least a person every week this year. That's nuts. You know? And that's personal from clients telling me or me hearing about it. Right. You know, um, we read it in the news every day. So is it is it opiates or uh, is it opiate? Uh, Epidemic or the fentanyl pandemic? 
Well, or both, because they fe- go. Fentanyl is an opiate. It's a very, very strong opiate. Right. It's works great in the hospitals and stuff like that, but um, it's very strong in the people that are mixing it into drugs like heroin to make it stronger, and cocaine to keep people more addicted, and methamphetamine. We're finding it, and we got people that come in for treatment that are just doing meth. Yet we dip a fentanyl stick inside their 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 uh, mm-hmm. their urine sample and it tests positive for fentanyl. Oh, so yeah. we're seeing fentanyl in everything nowadays. That comes That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's an epidemic, definitely. So we'll talk about that at later podcast. My yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, what I my observations, but from um the the original theory, I mean the the disease theory is this. Okay, say you, if you use heroin or an opiate, like heroin is just morphine, driven in morphine, comes from the poppy. Right. If you use it for 21 days, your body your body will physically crave the drug and you can go into withdrawal from not having it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that does that not make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You, using it changes your brain chemistry. Same thing you're going to crave it, right? Same thing with anything. Right? But... Um, the thing is, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that are receiving morphine right now, diamorphine. There's hundreds of thousands of people in hospitals at this very moment that are receiving loads of diamorphine, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so technically some of them, if not all of them should be addicts under that theory, right? Should be, should become addicted to the substance, should create a substance. But right. it simply doesn't happen. It happens sometimes, yes, mm-hmm. not all the time. Right. Like, say, say your uh, last last year, I had a surgery on my stomach, and they gave me loads of diamorphine. You mm-hmm. know, because I was in severe pain. Um, they even gave me Vicodin, the thirty day supply that I took under the supervision of my wife mm-hmm. <laughs> for thirty days. I should have been addicted, but I didn't. Right. You know, now the reason I didn't become addicted is because I had a healthy lifestyle and healthy bonds around me, you know? So there are loads of people receiving. Your grandma didn't become an addict from a hip replacement surgery, right? She had a hip replacement? Not your grandma, somebody's grandma. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So, so like they, they, um, they, they, uh, studied this. They studied this, and like you know, it's just it just doesn't happen for some reason, right? right. Usually, the people that get addicted are using it socially, and they're usually using it because they want to change the way they feel. Yeah, absolutely. They're not happy. They don't have nothing healthy to bond to. So there were back in the fifties. There was an experiment um, where two scientists took a rat and put a rat in a cage, right? And inside that cage was a water bottle filled with morphine in it. Mm-hmm. And they tried did experiments with cocaine too, but morphine in it and one that had food. Um, when they put the rat in a cage. The rat went for the the drugged water and kept on 
Over food? Picking them. Over the food. Yeah. Kept going for the drugged water, right? And the rat became addicted. Eventually, it used it compulsively, and eventually it died. That, that's, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a perfect, like, uh, micro example. Of, yeah, absolutely. I, right. Yeah. I mean, and rats are just like people. Yeah, that's you know, why they experiment. They, I mean, not just like not just our brains are the same. I mean, mm -hmm. ours are much larger, but um, we have the same same uh, um, um, reward system that all mammals and all animals have. You right. Know? So um, they did that experiment and they re recreated it, and it happened consistently. These rats became addicted and kept using it until they overdosed. Right. right. So. So in the 1970s, there was a, a psychology. Oh, 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 back to rats. Rats are just like humans behaviorally. They recognize um, family. They recognize parents. They recognize brothers and sisters. You know? Right. They live happily. They play together. You know? And they, they have families just like human beings do. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would probably recognize grandparents, but the rat doesn't live long enough. Rats yeah, don't yeah, live yeah. long enough to meet their grandchildren. They're like right? Spaniel. Yeah. So um, they're, they're a lot. They're really ideal for ex for some experiments on humans. Mm -hmm. So there was a doctor in the 1970s called Bruce Alexander. He was a psychologist, right? Right. And he noticed something strange about. Um, this experiment, you know, about the rat experiment. Yeah, uh -huh. he he noticed some some inconsistencies. He noticed that they're taking the rat out of his happy home with his family and everything, that, yeah, yeah, and putting him in a cage. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So the rat had nothing better to do than to do that heroin until he died. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah nothing he's to depressed. Like that, yeah. He's caged. He was disconnected from his. From his family and, yeah, and yeah. his his old his old life, right? Right. Um, so uh, he designed an experiment called Rat Park, mm -hmm. which is basically just heaven for rats. You know, right. he put whole rat families in there, and the the experiment was repeated too. They rented out some waterfront warehouses down in Baltimore, someplace back east. Mm -hmm. They were full of rats, and he tried the same thing, right? So he built Rat Park where the rats could be with their families. They there was toys for them to play with. Teeth. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was a uh, um with their friends. Mm -hmm. There was the drugged water. There was the regular food, and they can play together and have loads of sex, which rats like to do. Mm -hmm. Basically, is heaven for rats, right? Right. And something interesting happened. The rats hardly ever touched the drugged water. Mm -hmm. None of them used it compulsively. None of them overdosed, and none of them became addicted. Right. So, you know, it's not really, it wasn't really the drug. It was the cage. Yeah, absolutely. It was the disconnection. You know, but that could just be rats, right? Yeah. In the 1960s and early 70s, soon after that, we had another experiment mm -hmm. called the Vietnam War. Um, I, I like that you named it as an experiment. <laughs> That's yeah. That's a good way to put it. During the Vietnam War, 
we took these young men in the prime of their life away from their lives, their happy families, you know, everything they knew, their security, moved in 10,000 miles away in a dangerous environment where you could be killed, forced to be forced to be killed, forced to kill, mm-hmm. killed, maimed. Um, and over 20% of the GIs were using heroin, a lot of it. It was, yeah, they were in the perfect place for it, right? You remember the movie Tropic Thunder? Yeah. 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 It's a golden triangle. Yeah. So if you're in an environment like that, um, heroin is a great way to spend your time. Also a good way <laughs> you know? to, good way yeah, to escape. Yeah, it disconnects you from what's going on. Yeah, you know, absolutely. For, it disconnect them from what's going on around them, right? So um, we were braced here. People were panicked back here. They thought that the streets were going to be filled with hundreds of thousands of junkies come back from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But it simply didn't happen. Right. Studies followed these GIs home in um, – Maybe they had minor withdrawal and stuff like that, but when they went back home, mm-hmm. not very many of them became junkies. Mainly the ones that did were the ones that had nothing to come back to. They had no support system when they came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they when they returned them back to their families, they it just didn't happen. If you look at the the old the old theory of addiction, that doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But, if you look at Bruce Alexander's disconnection theory or, or attachment theory, it makes perfect sense. Right. You know. I see what you mean. I see what you mean now by the traditional traditional theory, and yeah, right. yeah the first one you told me that I, I never heard of it, but yeah, no, that's that very interesting. And they're both right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they're both right. You mm-hmm. know, if you have become addicted to a substance, but like in my practice, what I see. Is and it's a chicken and an egg, chicken and the egg thing. Um, did the disconnection come first, or did the addiction? Right. Or or did or or did the addiction come first? Either way, it leads to disconnection. When somebody's addicted, they can't possibly bond to healthy people and share what they're doing. You know, so right. they tend to isolate. It's super interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Again, it's human nature. Right. Um, to bond to something, if you don't have healthy environment around you healthy activities for activities you'll bond to something in your environment right it could be cocaine it could be pornography it could be endlessly checking your cell phone yeah yeah it could be online gaming it could be gambling it could be anything anything to escape and relieve the stress and the loneliness yeah absolutely so i'm you know, um, like I said before, you know, addiction is simply disconnection. You know, once you become addicted and you disconnect from everybody or you're disconnected first leads to addiction. Right. No, this is, this is all super interesting. It's all, uh, can't wait to put this out there so people can hear this. Right. So, I mean, before we need to look at the way we treat addiction separately how do we treat addicts nowadays? You know, we lock them up in prisons, mm-hmm. which are literally cages, just like the rats in. And believe me, yeah, it, from my own experience, there's plenty of drugs in there too. It's a great way to spend your time. When you're I've heard, yeah, I've heard, yeah. <laughs> just like Vietnam, it's a high stress environment. You yeah. can get stabbed at any moment. Right, know? right, right. Um, we, and then when they get out, we cut them off from 
jobs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Vital resources that they may need. Some families don't want them to deal with them because they've been, because, uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, we for, we force them to change and recover without any treatment, without any skill, teaching them any skills, you know, and treat them like scum when they don't recover, when they fall and slip. You know, so, Crazy. yeah, we're, we go about, we're going about the wrong way. So, right, right now, we're looking at recovery from addiction as individual recovery, mm-hmm. person to person to person. But what we need to do is look at social recovery, look at the bigger picture, you know, because mm-hmm. um, addiction is just disconnection equals disconnection and the opposite addiction is not abstinence it's connection right. if you can connect with things healthy so in my practice when people come to me and sure they're addicted hopelessly man they're physically addicted we do we do medical detox we have medicines to help them through it right right we give them some tools to help them from relapsing Right, because mm-hmm. they're whether whether whatever reason they're addicted, they are addicted. Mm-hmm. Right, we give them the tools they need. They're going to get sober just being there. Right, right. But I like to focus on what happens next when you leave recovery. Yeah, absolutely, because that's where it really starts. Yeah. Giving them resources, all the resources they need, all the tools they need to survive. Um, we do family therapy and stuff like that. That's that's huge because a lot of times. An addict comes to treatment mm-hmm. and they get out of treatment. Um, the family doesn't know what they're going through. They're not addicts. They can't possibly understand yeah. addiction, you know? Mm-hmm. And it and um the addict doesn't know what they're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. That wall goes back up and they become disconnected again. Right. You know, so we have that family therapy where everyone meets together and like the addict knows what's what the family's thinking and i've been in that seat before it's a hot seat to be in but it's 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 necessary Mm -hmm. and the family we educate the family on how they can help when not to butt in and you know what to look for and like it opens the lines of communication forms healthier bonds right so so other i mean yeah the the tools to keep them from relapsing are important you know cessating the drug and you know building up their steam that's what we do in treatment but the main thing it, oh addressing the behaviors you know that they that they um had before or after their addiction right right but the main thing thing is is to connect them with healthy people try to repair the family and get them in a social environment where they're not isolated you know when you're isolated you're going to bond to something, mm-hmm. you know? So the more activity you have, healthy activity you have, the better your chances are staying sober. It's super interesting, all all that stuff. You know, uh, the few things that popped in my head throughout the entire, this entire thing was, well, one is um, society, uh, this is probably another thing that, like, I, I can only imagine, well, this affects everybody, but society doesn't want, doesn't how do I say you can't make uh like the wrong decision like you always got to be um 
<laughs> at your best, everybody, like, you make right. a wrong decision. Like it's it's not okay for you to learn from your m- mistake, and you know, right? Um, yeah, that, and then uh, I I don't want to name the name of the group, but this this you may know what I'm talking about. But these people won't actually want to break up the so-called nuclear family. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that I teach, and one one of the group topics I teach, are family relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I teach what the qualities of a healthy family are. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of family you're in. You know, there's there's oh. almost as as many family types as there are gender identifications nowadays. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it doesn't matter what type of family you're in; they can be built up because, like, you were seeing it. You know, if the person can't go to their family for love, support, understanding, they're going to go outside of the family. You know, if you don't teach your kids when they're little, you know, instill those values in them, mm-hmm. um, then this will. You're not going to like what this has to teach him. And here's a good... good it's not all good. I don't, I don't remember where I saw... I don't know if it's a quote, but like if... Uh... If you don't program program yourself like something like your TV or your phone or something, something else basically will. Yeah, and being a parent and a grandparent, <laughs> I of course you teach you put these values in your kids, and just like me, I got some good values instilled when I was a kid. But when I became a young adult, I went out and did my own thing, anyways. Mm-hmm. But if you instill those values in there, they're still in there. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to run into situations in life to where like, oh, oh, so that's what that old bastard was talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean, because even if it did, like, I've had similar situations. I can't, I can't think of any right now. But even if, uh, well, yeah, I just, I know exactly what you mean by that. Because, yeah, it's, um, yeah, like, is it later in life you kind of discover I don't know, um, say, just as, I mean, I'm, I'm only 29, but I mean, or, I don't know if I've just matured faster than other people, because I know right. people that are but my age. Always, yeah, you've always been a higher thinker. Uh, um, <laughs> so, some people my age are like, um, basically, some people my age, um, are pretty much the people that we're like talking about in this, uh, in this, in this podcast. And the point, basically right. the point I'm trying to say is, I know exactly what you mean by instilling those like uh, those values into uh, when they're young because yeah absolutely absolutely right. once it's programmed into them, a, then they'll a lot of a lot of a lot of people nowadays are just so distracted by what's going on um, they can tell you exactly um, who the unmasked singer was but they can't tell you what's going on in Europe right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they can yeah, they're more concerned with these other things than, than the bigger picture. And that that's that this also probably this probably plays a role into like, you know, the, there's <clears throat> now we talked about fam, family and connecting with people and all that stuff, but there's so many of these distractions to keep everybody Discon- disconnected, you know. I mean, you can't go down the street without seeing a billboard of a half naked chick. 
And I mean, just seeing that alone awakens so many, so many, uh, I don't want to call them negative thoughts in a person's mind, but it would natural human thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's but, our human nature too. <laughs> what, what it would lead, what, what it lead us to, what it would lead us to do male right. or female and not just that we have TV right. shows, uh, showing, and, and they're just using that to sell you something. Sex sells. <laughs> oh yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But um, there's a point I'm just trying to say is there's so many things, especially in this time. I don't know what it was like in the 1800s. I imagine people were more, much more connected. Like you said, even when I was a kid, right? We I actually knew our neighbor's name, right? But now well, they knew their neighbor's name names that were like miles apart because that's all they really had. But like, yeah. But they weren't without their problems either. So oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff nowadays that is available, but it's just not. Getting people to see the value in it, you know, when there's all this other stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the family, the family is weakening. There's an attack on the family. Like I said, doesn't matter what type, family type, single parent, um, blended family, um, nuclear family, uh, same sex family, surrogate family, extended family. Doesn't matter what kind of family it is. Um, it's important. You know, because when the family breaks down, the community breaks down. When the community breaks down, society breaks down. When society breaks down, civilization breaks down. You know, I, I notice it's not even just people who are um, so-called addicts. Um, people who kind of just lost in their lives. It's it probably it, um, I've come across people who um, like I guess the way I put it is need to find need to find their tribe. Are uh, that's really what they're looking for? Yeah. Is their tribe? Some people just lost, so they end up going down yeah. these. Um, a lot this. of a lot of cultures lost when they come to the United States. I mean, what culture do we have here other than Kentucky Fried Chicken in in Amazon? Yeah, what's know? that? And in Netflix, you know, um, we don't really, you know, when we lose our our touch with our culture. Um, we lose touch with who we are and then we're easily programmed by what's going on around us. So it's like, it's like really important that if you guys could learn how to speak Kahuya. Oh yeah. I contacted that guy. He didn't message me. He, he read yeah. my message and didn't message me. Back. Um, it's like family traditions and stuff like that are touchstones to your past and give you identity of who you are. Right. I have lots of those, you know, and I would have yet to pass them down traditions and stuff like that, but they seem kind of silly nowadays, but like they're important. Oh yeah. They seem silly because it's not like the mainstream to do anything that, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know the quote for it, but people, um, Anything that people don't understand, they automatically uh, right. judge, basically. Right. Um, or this past stuff and history and stuff like that's not important to people anymore because it's got nothing to do with what Cardi B is doing on, oh, yeah. on her latest video. You know, that's so what I'm bad. saying. It's, yeah. it, um, um, it's a substitution of pop culture for real culture. So if you want to say culture in America is basically a pop culture. I so I was about to, what that's, that's what I was going to say is um like so I was just saying like uh I guess you want to call it American culture right um it's like so it's like yeah like KFC and Amazon so like what was our culture like back in the fifties? Our we culture even have culture then 
Yeah, we had we had an American culture, but things started changing then. We started um, um, trading like the old way of doing things for convenience. Yeah, you know, technology, TV dinners, right? Um, yeah, it's, things really started things. changing then. But like, I mean, their family traditions important. You know, uh, it's kind of funny though. I saw how it, the Viking series was series was very popular mm-hmm. and um in the united states um believe it or not minnesota has the highest concentration of scandinavian population but california has the second highest really you know? and i see a lot of people reconnecting with their culture i do it's too giving them identity and yeah it's absolutely. good because there's good values you know um it's really easy for for Hispanic people to connect with their cultures, but you know, um, too easy. They're going to straight too. If you speak Spanish, teach it to your kids, teach it to your grandkids. If you speak Swedish, teach it to your kids, speak it to your grandkids. It's actually funny. Uh, yesterday I watched a movie called Stalingrad. Uh, the whole thing was in German, but the German was actually pretty easy to understand surprisingly. And, uh, well, the point I want, Oh yeah. Uh, English is a German language. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah the old English is a Saxon language, and that is just like you know the Western German language. You can pick up a German newspaper and pretty much understand what they're. Well, maybe not German. But yeah, you yeah, pick yeah. up a Dutch newspaper. Mm-hmm. If you get past all the vowels that they have, you can pretty much understand what's going on. Right. Because the Saxon language is English language. Mm-hmm. You hear old English speaking, it sounds like they're speaking Dutch. Interesting. You know? The point of, Swedish is close too. I've never, I've only heard Swedish a few times. The point I was gonna say is, I've never learned Spanish. I never really wanted to. But I'm surrounded by it constantly. Um, but for some reason, the reason why I never wanted to learn Spanish is because I've always connected with uh, the countries in Europe. That's why I took German. That's yeah. why I started learning Russian. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, that history fascinates me, mm-hmm. and I mean history is vital. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's not so important anymore to anybody, you know. I mean, go on, go on. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to plug anybody else's vlogs or anything like that, but but go no, to Mark can. Dice's "Man on the Street" videos where he goes down to San Diego State. Uh-huh. And ask people who lives at 1700 East Pennsylvania Avenue, they don't know. Then they ask them, well, who lives in a, spi- uh, a, a pineapple oh, under yeah. the sea? And they say, oh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So, well, how come you know where SpongeBob lives, but you don't know where your own yeah. president is? You know, a good example of that is um, there was a person who went around. At, I think it was a college campus, too. Always college campuses where you get, you know, the most bright, the brightest people, of course, you know. Um, they went around asking, like, if they like Kamala Harris. And then they asked, her, asked them to name one uh, thing that she's done as vice president. Um, just really in general to, like, improve uh, American standard of life. And can't name a single thing. They just know well, that she's the first female vice president. I wouldn't judge him harshly because I can't name a single thing. She yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's my observation. I I don't, I don't know what goes on up there on Capitol Hill, and like it's, I, I'll probably never know. But um, history is important. If you don't remember history, you're doomed to repeat it. 
Absolutely. Hitler could have been stopped in Poland. Um, Putin needs to be stopped in the Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do another podcast about that, actually. Yeah, that's a total other subject. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, it, all this comes around to back to human nature again. Um, we're human beings f- for a long time. We still have the same basic needs. Mm-hmm. If you don't remember our history, we're doomed to repeat it. I absolutely 100, yeah. 100% agree. So, before we go, is there anything else you wanted to mention or anything we've talked about? Um. I just want to say that, like, um, we had a third experiment that supports the rat part theory, mm-hmm. the disconnection theory, and that was COVID-19. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, COVID-19 was basically the same thing. It was, like, disconnection on a mass scale. Um, and, like, the reason I say that it resembles the, the same thing is because... During COVID-19, we are put in lockdown. We lived under fear and high stress, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people in my practice I've seen bonded with what was closest to them. I mean, you couldn't get toilet paper, but you can have alcohol delivered to your door. And you couldn't Marijuana the, delivered to your door. You couldn't go to the gym, but McDonald's was still open. Right. Absolutely. You couldn't so, get fresh air. Uh, right. I know what you mean. Right. And it was big disconnection it was disconnection on a mass scale so in when 2020 rolled around by july 2020 every single bed in our both of our facilities was filled with people treated for treated for alcoholism and alcohol abuse right yeah before in 2019 i'd say it was 70 to 80 percent opiates Mm -hmm. and maybe 20 or 30 percent alcohol but by the time COVID, by by summer um, twenty twenty, every single bed in the facility was filled with with somebody being treated for alcohol, right? Right. And they're all telling me the same story. Yeah, I, I drank, you know, before COVID, you know, but I had my job and I had my busy life, my regular life, um, keeping it in check. And when COVID hit. They were throwing money at me mm-hmm. and uh, had nowhere to be. And my drinking became daily and then all day long He's and also- then compulsively. And mm-hmm. then I stopped eating and I had people come into the facility that couldn't even walk even, you know, a couple weeks after they were sober because they stopped eating. You know, why? Because they're still coming. In, yeah, they're coming. Well, they're just drinking all the time. Oh, and they're just. It, it's like you know, it's it was way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. So that was the third. That was the third thing. Um, that goes back to disconnection theory. These people are in a high stress environment, nothing to do but sit home and drink, and it set their addiction in motion. I can only imagine. Oh, we're gonna have to do another podcast about that. I'm gonna write it down actually. Right. So, um, yeah, anything else you want to mention? Yeah, just uh, reach out to your family members, spend some time with them. There's no such thing as quality time and, and quantity time. Time together is just that, quanti- uh, just that time together. It's all quality. Mm-hmm. I see. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah. 
Well, anyways, we're, <clears throat> we're going to come back with another podcast at some point. I don't know. We'll be back at some point. And we'll, we'll let you know what the next subject is going to be. So, for now, we're going to pause this, and we'll see you guys later. All right, right.